0: Uh, as we've uh, discussed or has been put in the group chat, etc., etc., um, already uh, the, the message which I plan to go through uh, this evening is, is with regards to uh, learning wisdom and avoiding adultery or, or heeding wisdom, uh, avoiding adultery. Um, there'll be some aspe- aspects of this which we've uh, gone through in the in the earlier parts of this Proverbs series and then uh, nonetheless, uh, as I as I think myself, and certainly has benefited me in my own learning, uh, some repetition is good, and of course there'll be some aspects which uh, I bring out, which are, I hope are new to you and useful to you, um, to the Lord's glory. Um, but learn wisdom, avoid adultery. Heed wisdom, avoid adultery. Uh, there in, in four, four words repeated in slightly different words uh, is the, the brunt of the message. Um, let me Let me start with a A complimentary reading, which I know that we've gone through before, uh, being from Proverbs 6, verses 23 to 35. Proverbs 6, starting from verse 23, says this. For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching a light, and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life to preserve you from the evil woman from the smooth tongue of the adulteress. Do not desire her beauty in your heart and do not let her capture you with her eyelashes. For the price of a prostitute is only a loaf of bread, but a married woman hunts down a precious life. Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. None who touches her will go unpunished. People not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his appetite when he is hungry, but if he is caught, he will pay sevenfold. He will give all the goods of his house. He who commits adultery lacks sense. He who who does it rather destroys himself. He will get wounds and dishonor, and his disgrace will not be wiped away. For jealousy makes a man furious, and he will not spare when he takes revenge. He will accept no compensation. He will refuse, though you multiply gifts. This and further readings are God's very word. Uh, and I'm just as I read that, I'm reminded to say that, uh, of course, uh, adultery is very much applicable to the literal act of adultery. Uh, but of course, Jesus says uh, in in various. Uh, certainly in his Gospels of Matthew at least, uh, that even to, uh, to lust after a woman uh, is adultery of the heart. So not just that physical act uh, of sleeping with another's wife or with a woman who is not your own wife uh, or women to husbands, uh, but even to lust after one uh, who is not your own in marriage uh, is adultery of the heart. There'll be, Lord willing, two points uh, that we'll consider tonight. The first being in judgment, God may grant you the desires of your lustful heart. And the second, learn and live wisdom, and you will avoid the forbidden woman. But before considering these things, I suppose the, uh, the negative aspects of, of sex and its drive, uh, I wanted to briefly consider some of the positives. Sex and hence sex drive in the way that they were created and ought to be are good things. I'd go so far as to say they are inherently good things. Of course, when we say something is inherently good, that that means that at its its base, at its core, at its foundation, uh, it is a a good thing. It it goes a step further than just to say that it is good. Uh, Sex and hence sex drive in the way they were created and ought to be, are inherently good things, and I say this because, of course, uh, the Bible speaks um, well. It speaks quite a lot about both uh, positive and negative aspects of sex. But I think, as Christians, sometimes we become uh, perhaps a little bit uh, crude, prudish, rather, or goody-two-shoes, and, and supposedly holy, uh, but we uh, we neglect the, the positive aspects of sex and its drive. Uh, We ought not to be ashamed to speak of such things appropriately. And indeed, uh, as is no knowledge to to many or all of you, uh, the Bible has some some pretty racy stuff in it, if we can say such a thing. Uh, Song of Solomon, for example, in chapter 5, verses 10 and 16, uh, whereby the lady is speaking of her beloved, says, My beloved is radiant and ruddy, distinguished among ten thousand it goes on to say he is altogether desirable. I don't suppose she is uh, just speaking about his personality and saying such a thing. And Proverbs 5, uh, the, the, the writer speaking about his female beloved says, Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom rather of an adulteress? Uh, it is appropriate uh, for a man to be intoxicated, even physically, uh, with his wife. Uh, it is entirely inappropriate. It is sinful uh, for him to be intoxicated with the forbidden woman to uh, move into the place of adultery. Uh, but the positive side is there. The problem we face uh, is not with sex or sexual desire, but with its sinful and evil misapplication in practice as well as desire. Relatedly, and a little more pragmatically perhaps, uh, George Gilder in his book Men and Marriage uh, makes the basic point that a man's desire for sex is what makes, or at least what can or should make, him such a, a productive and useful member of society. Gilda basically says that uh, the man uh, wants sex and so he must be a successful, respectable, uh, appropriate husband and father figure such that a woman would be be attracted to such a gentleman uh, and would be willing in order to engage in marriage and hence sex with him. And so from uh, such pragmatic notions as that, but even more so from the scriptural testimony, uh, we see that Uh, Sex and its drive are not evil things, but in their right forms, very good things. The problem is, is when sin comes in, which it easily can, and we ought to keep that in mind, uh, to the practice and desire of such matters. Uh, And so with that, uh, as one of the more racy introductions that you'll ever get from me, uh, let's consider our first point. In judgment... God may grant you the desires of your lustful heart. Well, hopefully not speaking to uh, you directly, uh, but broadly speaking. Uh, turn over to Proverbs 22, verse 14. Hmm. Proverbs 22, 14 says this. The mouth of forbidden women is a deep pit. He with whom Yahweh is angry will fall into it. The mouth of forbidden women is a deep pit. He with whom Yahweh is angry will fall into it. The uh, forbidden woman is a a personification of an adulteress. It is a a metaphor, though of course it may have literal applications. Uh, And so by extension it applies to to lust more generally and hence uh, is in line with Jesus' statements on the same. Uh, it is not suggesting uh, that we should be sort of suspiciously looking around at all of the women in our lives, or, or once again to reverse those uh, with, uh, with women to men, not suggesting that we should be looking around for this, this mystical forbidden woman or forbidden man in our lives, sort of taking sideward glances at them, wondering if that's the forbidden one. Uh, rather it speaks, it's a personification of adultery, lust, etc. To draw a, uh, perhaps a foundationally similar conclusion to what I'm trying to make, uh, consider with me, don't turn there because it's quite a lot of verses and they're not all directly applicable, uh, but consider the testimony of uh, 1 Samuel 8. In this chapter, uh, we read of Israel's request for a king like all the nations, or the other nations being sort of the key phrase in verse 5. Uh, Samuel Subsequently, consults the Lord, who says that the people have rejected him, being God, and not Samuel, and thus Samuel should obey their voice, in verse 9. Just that he ought to solemnly warn them of what a king will do. And by the by, just as a, uh, a side point, not related to the main sermon for free, uh, within that chapter, uh, Samuel uh, recounts that a a king will charge these people a basically a 10% tax rate. Uh, and he talks about this in a, a negative, bad kind of way. Uh, if we live in a land that has up to a 50 cent in the dollar tax rate, uh, I wonder what that means for us. That's a side point, as I say. So Samuel consults the people. He tells them of what a king will do, uh, but the people continue to request a king in verse 19. So God commands Samuel to obey their voice and make them a king. Verse 22. And the subsequent history of Old Covenant Israel is replete uh, with the many difficulties that are in no small part caused by the kings that Israel requested. So what's the point? Why are we talking about kings in amongst this message of heeding wisdom and avoiding adultery? Well, for a start, be careful what you wish for. Israel desired something which was sinful, uh, not so much the desire for a king in and of itself, but a desire to have a king that we also may be like all the nations. And God subsequently gave them over to this desire of their heart and they paid bitterly for it. He judged them for this sin which they continued to request, which they uh, sought after uh, with great zealousness. In like fashion, uh, it appears in Proverbs 22 that the one with whom Yahweh is angry will fall into the deep pit of the forbidden woman. And presumably, the reason he falls into this particular pit of the forbidden woman of lust, etc., is because they have sought, this person has sought after that particular sin uh, so repeatedly. Romans 1, perhaps... It uh, complements the same where in verses 24 and 26 it says, Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonouring of their bodies among themselves. In verse 26, God gave them up to dishonourable passions, dishonourable, uh, gross, vulgar sexual passions. In a sense, uh, you want to seek after this sin, says God. Okay, have it. See how that works out for you. He judges them uh, for pursuing such things. But in a sense, in another sense, regardless of whether the continual pursuit of sexual sin uh, is the reason one would fall into the forbidden woman judgment or otherwise, uh, or if it is a more general judgment of God, nonetheless, we must seek the solution and avoid such a plight of the judgment of God. Which brings us uh, to the second point. Learn and live wisdom, and you will avoid the forbidden woman. What is the solution? Actually, though I have it in my notes, turn back with me to, to Proverbs 6. Proverbs 6, just 23 and 24. For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching a light, and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life, to preserve you from the evil woman, from the smooth <clears throat> tongue of the adulteress. The commandment and teaching are a lamp and light, respectively. The reproofs of discipline, it says, are the way of life. The reproofs of discipline are the way of life. How often do we acquaint the way of life with the reproofs of discipline. The commandment and teaching are a lamp and light. The reproofs of discipline are the way of life. Considering that, let me ask you a a rhetorical question, a question for you to consider. Can you walk two ways at the same time? If I said to you, uh, walk east, I don't know if that's east or otherwise, I'm terrible with those things. If I said to you, walk east, could you at the same time Walk west. Of course you cannot. And so learn wisdom. Seek the commandment, God's teaching. Love the reproofs of discipline that come from the loving and fatherly hand of God. Learn wisdom. Walk that way. Walk east if you want to continue the metaphor. Learn wisdom and avoid or escape adultery, lust. Covetousness, dishonesty, idolatry, uh, all of the rest. Learn wisdom and escape evil. You cannot walk towards wisdom and towards sin, inclusive of adultery, at the same time. You will do one or the other. You will not walk two ways at once. So don't turn there, but I'm going to read from uh, Proverbs 23, which I should say. Turn there at your will. Uh, Proverbs 23, verse 26 says this My son, give me your heart, and let your eyes observe my ways. For a prostitute is a deep pit, an adulteress is a narrow well. She lies in wait like a robber, and increases the traitors among mankind. To escape, Such evils is why the writer says in that 26th verse, My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. Why? That you may not fall into the deep pit of the prostitute or the narrow well of the adulteress. And cannot, perhaps young men especially, but uh, to a greater or lesser degree, all of us, can we not attest to the truth of that 28th verse? When considering not just a, a literal prostitute or adulteress, but lust in general, she lies in wait like a robber and increases the traitors among mankind. At times it seems uh, as if the uh, sexual temptation in the, the evil sense is around every corner. I know I've given the example before that if if going to the beach in summer is going to cause you to sin, then rather give up your your summer swim uh, than sink into sin in that way. But it reinforces the point that uh, it seems as if uh, this particular kind of sin uh, is like a robber, is is increasingly prevalent. And whilst again uh, reinforcing that sex and its drive are inherently good things that can be distorted, uh, the world, perhaps especially the 21st century West, or maybe I just say that because that's where I live, Uh, can feel like a minefield of things that produce lust. It lies in wait like a robber and increases the traitors among mankind. And so once again, uh, seek the solution to such things. Uh, Seek the commandment. Seek God's teaching. Love the reproofs of discipline that come from the loving and fatherly hand of God. Do not put... Any worthless thing before your eyes, much less an evil thing, and walk in the ways of godliness, and you will avoid living the life of lust. You cannot walk two directions at the same time. And encouraging all the more is the fact that we do not do this in our own strength. If we have been, uh, if we have had that holy heart surgery, whereby that heart of stone is plucked out and the heart of flesh is put in then we are made alive to christ and dead to the ways of sin Uh, so it is he who has done that saving work and he by his holy spirit who continues to fuel us on in the same direction Uh, if you struggle uh, with the sin of adultery or with the sin of anything uh, spend greater amounts of time in prayer and devotion to the lord uh, replacement of of such sinful tendencies with such good ones, uh, will be a mechanism used of the Lord in order to uh, spur you on to walk in the right way. And So to put it in a sentence, if you would avoid evil, adultery and more, learn wisdom and live in its ways. So the two points, just to recap. In judgment, God may grant you the desires of your lustful heart you continue to pursue such things, God may well hand you over to them in judgment. And secondly, learn and live wisdom and you will avoid the forbidden woman. And though I know it is uh, poor practice to introduce new material within the conclusion, uh, perhaps one major solution to avoiding such sin, or any sin really, uh, is to to treasure Christ. Uh, Indeed, as Tom preached on last weekend, Maybe such a message is something that we ought to uh, listen to or contemplate with some frequency. And so we ought not to be uh, inherently prudish when it comes to sex and its drive, uh, but because of the ease of being drawn into sin and the prevalence of lust and adultery around us, uh, it is something which is certainly worth our while being mindful of. And so once again, learn wisdom, avoid adultery.